everybody, it's Michelle, and uh, glad everybody's here. And Randy, I wanted to tell you that I, I read The Sugar Maker's Wife last year, and what a good choice for the next novel ideas. It's, it's a really, really good book. Yeah, I read it too a couple years ago, and it really is a great book. I remembered, I thought you had read it, because I, I think I remember us talking about it at one point. It really is a good book. I hope everybody enjoys it. It helps that there's a great narrator. Laura, Laura Generelli is a great narrator. Yes. Ooh, so far this is a great book. Well, I remember it was like 20 hours or something, and the, the hours just flew by. You know, it's like, it's not a book to be intimidated by the length because it just really moves along really well and there's really good characters and it's a really good book I, I'm going to try to read it again because I really I liked it very much yeah Laura Generelli adds to the to the book because she's such a great narrator and I just think it's a beautifully written story I've tried to read other books by her but I guess because that was the first one I read and it was just so, such a, a great book. I just, her other books don't hold a candle for me. Yeah, that was the first book of hers that I read also. And I keep thinking I'm going to read those Big Stone Gap books, and I, I never get around to it. But that, it was a really, really good book. And I think it's actually based on her real-life grandparents, which is kind of interesting, too. Yeah, that's what it says in the um, introduction. It says that somewhere anyway. Big Stone Gap just doesn't hold a candle, so if you ever do try to read it, don't be surprised if you can't get into it. Maybe you will, but I couldn't. Jenny, I see that you're having microphone issues. Did you want to try to use your microphone now and test it before we get started, or are you going to just wait and see what happens? Yeah, I have been testing it before you came in, Michelle, and... um. It all seems to be well. Um, I have somebody sleeping, a guest in the living room, so I don't know how loud I'm going to be. You sound good here. Hey, Leela, how you doing? Great. Absolutely wonderful. Gosh, I love reading. <laughs> Me too. I'm glad you're enjoying that book, by the way. Yeah, I like reading too. It's almost embarrassing. I can kind of get into anything, any book, almost. Um, but I'm wondering if you guys could read, was it The Sugarman's Wife, or what was, I've never heard of that. Oops, I should have let Randy say it, I'm sorry, it's The Shoemaker's Wife. Um, it is a really good book, I haven't read too much of it, but oh my goodness, Michelle is right, it's a unputdownable book, and if that's not a word, I just made one. <laughs> yeah, it really is a great book, I, I can't wait to start reading it again. It was just such a great read, and Michelle is right. It does. The time just flies by. I read it during a tough week, and it was a great escape for me. Don, how come you deserted us on the history book night? We, we had, I thought, a really good discussion. You know, everybody contributed. Did you happen to listen to it? Yes, I listened to it, uh, I don't know, this morning or yesterday. Uh, it was a, a real good discussion. Uh, no, I had a commitment that last minute I couldn't get out of, 
<laughs> here locally, so I I had to be somewhere else. Well, we definitely missed you. It'll be nice to have you back next month. Agreed. Um, if you listen to the archive, I love the, I love your. I don't know how you 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 get your. Um, oh, I don't know even know what they're called. I love your interviews. They are so cool. And the music. Oh, my goodness. Well, the next one, I don't know what we'll do. Thanks on the music. I have no music musical ability at all, so, so I'm glad it works out. This author in particular was really interesting. I could, I could listen to her talk for a long time. Yes, uh, she would have been a very interesting person to have as a professor. I guess she teaches and was teaching. I don't know how things go, but uh, she, she was really a very sharp person and gone through with what she did. But uh, you'll find out what a barefoot doctor <laughs> is in this last half, anyway. So that that's good. Yeah. I'm mad at myself. I deleted Michelle's email um, about the author. Darn it. Which email was that, Leela? Let me know. I might still have it, and I can forward it to you. Um, but for right now, uh, I've got 9 o'clock, so let's give it 30 seconds and then go ahead, Michelle. It looks like we lost Michelle. So, Leela, what email was that that you said you lost? It was the one that she sent about, I think it's the author that's for our next book. Okay, I have that. I'll forward it to you. And it looks like Michelle's back, so we'll get started. Well, it looks like Michelle might be stuck. Um, so I think we'll just get started, and when she comes in, she has an intro with a list of characters that unfortunately I don't have in front of me. So we'll just get started, and then when I see her hand go up, we can let her take over. Um, what did you all think of uh, the book, and uh, what did you think of Dana as the main character? Well, let's not all talk at once. I loved this book. Um, <clears throat> I thought Dana was great. She she was human. Um, this author made people really human. And you got to know people very well. Um, you got to know Dana's faults. You got to know her um, humanness, if you will. She was a, I thought she was a great mother. And, oh my gosh, I think that, and I don't know if this is okay, but one of my, I don't know if it's my favorite scene, but it's a scene that I could see a mother doing. When she actually did what her daughter did to see what she was feeling, I don't think I could ever stick my fingers down my throat. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I really love this book, too. And I, I was afraid that I wouldn't like it because I think um, Bard built it as a romance. But I, I really liked it a lot. Um, I thought Dana was a really likable character, too, and I certainly would much rather have her as a friend than Connie, even though Dana had a tendency to be overly nice. Hi, this is Jenny. Yeah, I really did enjoy this book. When it started out, I thought, is this going to be too quiet for me? And I was getting all the characters a little mixed up. I got my teenagers mixed up. But then um, I actually read it a couple times, and I really did um, find it, a very um, comforting book in a way. It deals with a lot of universal issues. I guess we all deal with like um, how do we accommodate our need to be liked and our need to, you know, 
discover who we are and what's fulfilling for us. And then, um, so I really like that. And then the catastrophe of um, the divorce. And, um, you know, recently I had to move and it wasn't a catastrophe, but it was an unsettling out of the blue thing. And um, I noticed I like Dana. She wasn't bitter. Um, she had gotten past that. Um, I like the dialogue very much. And um, I liked um, most of the portrayals of the characters. And so I am going to probably keep it on my player and come back to it, even though I've read it already twice. Um, I did think that, that I had a little trouble, fall, you know, with the characters. There's so many of them, but I, I did very much like it. And I also um, read her other book, which I had never been in, introduced to this author, um, The Longest Way Home, and I liked that as well. Well, this is Don, and I almost didn't read it because it was a romance, and uh, uh, it, it, it was an enjoyable read. I I was rereading a little this afternoon because I. It's been some time since I've read it, finished it, but uh, I, I got through it, and it was well written, and it was very good, actually, once you got, got into it. Uh, hi, Donna. Welcome. And uh, Jill, did you guys like it? I have a niece in high school now, and yeah, the girls do seem to be pretty mean like that. Um, what did you guys think of Dana's friend Polly? Would you have forgiven her? Because that would be a really tough call for me. That was quite a betrayal, but Polly was such a likable person that you really wanted to see them make up. Um, my trouble with this book was the same trouble I have with other books. You know, there was no character in this book that I really liked. I thought Dana was too involved with her children. Um, you know, if she was just there on top of them all the time, in my opinion. Um, I mean, I guess that makes her a lovely mother and all that, but I, and I realized that this book was covering a lot of things that are of really current importance today. You know, the the uh, binge eating, the what happens with the divorce, and on and on and on. Um, and I really was anxious to hear what everybody else said because I, I was not impressed. Um, yes, the dialogue was good, but um, except for the dentist, 
who seemed to know all the right things to say, um, I really didn't relate to any of the other characters. Is anybody here? I am. <laughs> I don't think most of the other people are, though. Well, I know I... After you stopped talking, I hit the thing and it wouldn't do, go, so I got out of the room and I came back in and I didn't hear anything. Well, it looks like we're back now. Yeah, I had to get out of the room twice. Everybody was pushing the button to talk, but the microphone wasn't becoming available for anyone. If Michelle's back, we can have her go through the list of characters. Hi, I'll, I'll give it another try. Um, um, like I said, I'm, I apologize. I, I, I'm going to listen to it to it earlier. Um, I, I did wonder a couple of things, and I'm just going to throw out some questions and see what people think. Um, one thing I wondered is, did you did you like Dana? Did you think that she needed to learn to deal with anger better? Um, what was your opinion of her? Um, another thing I wondered about is, did you think that Dana and Tony had romantic feelings for each other as soon as they met, or do you think that they had a friendship and then developed a romance. And I wondered also, did you think, um, what did you think Dana and Connie's family like was like when they were growing up? Because they turned out really differently as sisters, and we heard a little bit about their mother and father, and I wondered what you thought about their relationship and, and where they came from. Um, Michelle, while you were gone, a couple people asked if uh, you could go through that list of characters because some people read it quite a while ago. Okay, I will. Um, the first character, obviously, is Dana Stelgarten, who's 45 years old. She's a mother, and she's uh, recently divorced. She has two children. She has her daughter, Morgan, who is in middle school, and her son, Grady, who I don't know how old he was, but he was a little younger than Morgan. Dana has a sister, Connie, and Connie has her daughter, Alder, who came to live with Dana and her family. And um, Alder had a relationship with Ethan, and then Alder also had her friend, Jet, as well. And Dana's ex-husband was Kenneth, who uh, has a new relationship with Tina. And then there is Dana's neighbor and friend, Polly. And then we have Dana's uh, dentist and friend and boyfriend, uh, Tony. And then there is, of course, Kimmy, who we met, and Kimmy's mother, Nora. And then there's the coach, uh, Jack Roberton. And then the therapist, uh, Bethany Sweet. So I hope I have all the characters. I thought one really nice subplot in this book was the the man who was dying and his wife. That just That just was such a nice scene where she talked to him and took food to them and everything like that. I thought that was cool, too. I really, I mean, yes, it showed Dana's niceness, but we all knew she was nice. Um, but it was really cool when they got to actually be alone together, and he told her, please tell my wife that I do miss her. And... <laughs> this book made me laugh and cry and want to scream. This was a really good book, and I have to say that I agree with, um, I think it was Jenny and Dawn, that I almost, at the very beginning, I'm like, yeah, I don't know, is this too quiet? But no, it was a really good book. And um, Polly, Sherry, you asked about Polly and Dana's friendship. Um... 
I don't blame Dana for not forgiving her so quickly. I don't at all. Um, I probably would have done the same thing. But I think I would have would have forgiven her, especially since she was the one who took the kids to the wedding and stuff like that, and she was there for uh, Morgan. And also, Dana and Tony, I'm glad they built the friendship, but I saw it coming. That, that I don't know, I saw their relationship going from friends to uh, relationship before that even happened, and... Um, it was a really good book, I have to say. I, I really liked it. Um, I hope that the microphone is working now. Um, you know, I, I, I like Dana. I, I thought in the beginning I was really frustrated with her. I thought that she was so nice and that people really maybe took advantage of her. Um, and I was very worried when she got involved with the coach. I thought, oh, God, this is such a, a wrong, wrong person for her to be with. And, you know, Tony was almost like a dream boyfriend. I mean, he really was so nice and, and, and just ideal. You sort of wonder how he was available, this guy, because he was just a wonderful, wonderful guy. Um, but, you know, I, I did sort of worry about her with some of the relationships. When she got involved with uh, Nora a little bit, I thought that wasn't going to end well. Um, and, you know, I, I really liked her, and I think I would have liked her as a person. I mean, I think that's what I liked about her. She seemed like somebody who I would like to know somebody like that in my real life because she's, she was just a genuinely really, really nice person, and, and she tried hard, and she... You know, she did her best, and um, and maybe her sister, you know, had some good ideas for her, and maybe she needed to listen to her a little bit. Um, but um, I, I don't know. She, I, I related to her a little bit. I met. I know in the beginning of the book, she talked about how women over forty-five have a really difficult time dating, and I wondered kind of what you all thought about that, because she didn't really have such a difficult time dating. She she actually did pretty well in the story, um, and the friendships were kind of interesting as, as well, too. I think my favorite friendship was probably between Alder and Jet. I thought that was probably the most genuine friendship, I guess, in the story. Hi, this is Jenny. I just wanted to add about Dana. Um, I had, I did like Dana. I did admire Dana, and she was someone that you could trust. She seemed very compassionate, but throughout the book, you didn't get an idea of her much of, except when she was um, delivering the comfort food, you didn't get an idea of what her interests were, what was she, you know, what, what did she read, what did she think, you know, about, oh, I don't know, politics, or what hobbies did she have. In, in a way, she felt a little bit blank to me, so I didn't really, not that she was a blank person, but they were talking a lot about her role as a mother, and so I didn't really connect with her that much, although I did admire her. And um, some of the dialogue was almost, like, too perfect. Oh, this is what I'm going to say when I'm in that, this situation. But it still rang true. And I understand the author has, has, uh, is a mom and has, um, I believe, two teenage daughters. I think that you're right. I mean, I think she, she needed to grow. And I think that being married to Kenneth, I didn't have the sense that they had such a wonderful relationship. Um, and I think she did need to come into her own a little bit, which, you know, happens to people. I mean, uh, uh, you know, not everybody is fully formed when they're, when they're 22 years old. And, and I think 
people come into their own at different points in their lives depending really on what happens and I think this was a story where she she was coming into her own and she was finding herself a little bit and it was it was relatable to me I guess because sometimes I think life throws you curves and you have to deal with it and it could be sort of scary um so in that sense, I think I, I did relate to her. Um, I didn't think she had a particularly great marriage to Kenneth, who, you know, wasn't a, a bad, bad guy, but you did have the sense that maybe he, you know, they just didn't really communicate really well. Um, so I, I liked the fact that she would talk to Tony and that they had a, had a you know, a, a friendship, which I think is, is really sort of important to have. And I think it was just... There were parts of the story that I think that were better than other parts. I thought the parts about the middle school, um, I thought the relationship between uh, Kimmy and Morgan, for me, really rang true because I think that we all have that feeling, you know, that we want to be friends with the popular girl. And there's a lot of times in life that you have friendships with people and they're very intense for a while and then something happens and then the friendship ends and that's the end of it. So I think there were definitely a lot of parts of the story that were good and um, there were parts of the story, like like Jenny was saying, that maybe they could have filled in a little bit more. I, I agree with you about that. I wonder why the author had Kenneth who was telling his, you know, Dana, how he was really swept away by this new romance and he knew what love really was and so on and so on. But he didn't, he didn't marry her until she got pregnant. Uh, I wonder why the author did that. Yeah, that's a really good point. That, that is kind of interesting. Um, it makes you wonder if he was really serious about her until he had to be. I had never thought of that, but that's a really good point. And I agree with Leela. I saw the, you know, you could see the romance with Tony coming from almost the first time he was mentioned in the book. I must admit, I was afraid that the book was going to do something violent with the coach, like he was going to attack her or come with a gun and abduct her or something like that. I was glad it didn't go down that path. You know, I think a lot of people nowadays don't think of marriage as the thing that they're immediately going to do. I think a lot of people are just comfortable living together, um, particularly if they've had a previous relationship. So I think that Kenneth, having been married for a long period of time, probably wasn't dying to get married again. And I think when Tina got pregnant, then the relationship took a different sort of turn. Um, and maybe, you know, at that point they wanted to get married. So it wasn't surprising to me that he wouldn't, you know, go from one marriage and then, you know, immediately get married to somebody else. I, I don't think a lot, especially men, you know, the men can correct me, but I, I think that, that, you know, often they're not always dying to get married, uh, one, two, three. And um, I don't know if any of you have any experience with bulimia. Um, I will confess that when I was a teenager, I was very, very interested in uh, maintaining a low weight, and I would sometimes throw up, make myself throw up. I, not to the point that they described in this story, but um, I certainly related to, to that part of the story because I think there's a lot of pressure on, on young girls to look a certain way um, if you... It, there's a lot of pressure on them, and, and, 
And even as young as Morgan was in the story, I guess she was about 11 or 12, um, I, I think that, you know, there was, they, they do get a lot of pressure from their friends, just from society. They, they have to be a very small size, and even if they're still growing, um, they want to keep their weight really, really low. So um, I, I actually thought that was a good issue, and I think it's an issue that comes up a lot now, actually, is, is bulimia, because people see it as a as a way to control their weight. I mean, if they eat too much, well, that this is the way that they get rid of it. And I certainly, I did it myself a little bit when I was younger. I certainly know people that, that did that. So um, I thought it was an important issue, actually, to talk about. This is Jenny. I thought that was really well handled, too. Um, uh, you know, a lot of people struggle with their body image. And um, I think, you know, that I think one time, at one time, Morgan said, I'm just so ugly. And um, I thought that it was pretty well handled. Um, I, I had thought we were doing better on this issue, um, women feeling that one of their key roles in life is to be decorative and pleasing to a man. But I don't know. Maybe not so much. I think the, the, the first boyfriend, the, the over-aggressive coach, I think that's, that's a, another problem that she brought up. It's a real kind of suburban problem. The families that they, they they're just pushing the little kids too hard. Yeah, I mean, I think Dana was a little nervous about dating, and this horrible man comes along, and he appears to be interested in her. And I was, I wasn't concerned to the point that Sherry was. I didn't think he was going to hurt her. I just thought he was just so controlling, and they didn't really have anything in common. And she was just, you know sort of forgetting about herself and, and doing whatever he wanted. So I didn't really like that relationship, and I was hoping that she would she would sort of get out of it. And, and she did, which was good. She realized that it was not a, not a good relationship for, for her to be in. Um, and I like the fact that, that people felt comfortable to talk to her. I think that was a nice quality. I mean, that her niece came to her... Um, that's a hard thing to do when you're, you know, 16, 17 years old to talk to an adult about a sexual relationship that you had. Um, you know, we all like to think that we can go to our mothers and, and talk about these kind of things, but in, in real life, it's kind of hard to do. Um, so I like the fact that, she, that her niece actually felt comfortable enough to talk to her about a situation which was really very, you know, upsetting for her, very, very difficult for her. So that was a quality of, of Dana that I really liked was that, you know, people felt that she was somebody who would be receptive, just like Sherry was saying about um, the family who, with the, with the husband who was sick, whose name, I'm sorry, is escaping me. I, I, I think that, that that was the quality that she had that people responded to. And I don't find that many people in my real life who have that quality that um, they're open and they're accepting and you can talk to them about, you know, really all different kinds of serious issues. So I really like that, that quality in her. I wonder how many areas there are today in reality where people volunteer to take these wonderful meals to these people that are stressed out, you know, taking care of someone that's terminally ill. Uh, I'd be nice if you could pick a neighborhood like that, wouldn't it? Yeah, I thought that was a really good thing, and I think it's a really 
important thing. I think people don't always realize how difficult it is. I remember when my, my father um, was really sick, and I would watch him eat, and you know, I wanted so desperately to, to help him because he had such a hard time taking the food from the plate to his mouth. I mean, it was really, really difficult uh, to see that, and I think that there are different times that people really need food. And that would be one of that, those times when somebody's really sick and, and they're so focused on, on other things. So that was, that was a nice thing that, that was a nice, I mean, it wasn't nice that he died, but it was a nice storyline that she brought in. And I guess that's what I liked about this book was that to me it felt like, you know, yes, I mean, in certain ways I guess it's predictable and maybe people weren't as deep as they should have been. But they all felt, in a way, like real people to me, and it felt like it was they were real situations that people were dealing with. And sometimes we read books that deal with like really unbelievable situations, but this just felt like a regular suburban situation. And um, I noticed that Mary Ellen just joined us, so I don't know if, if you would like to say anything if you read the book, but if you'd like to, Mary Ellen, please feel free. I have no idea what you're talking about, but I can tell you from example, last March I had a pacemaker very unexpectedly installed in me, and when I returned home from the hospital, two neighbors whom I'd never, you know, I'd say hi to them in passing, but I had no idea who these people were, came, they, you know, one brought a cake, one brought cookies, uh, another neighbor from across the street brought, you know, dinner, and I mean, it, it was unbelievable. Well, in the Jewish religion, they have something called sitting shiva, which is after um, somebody dies, that you, you basically, um, it, it's either a parent or a child. So like when my father passed away, we sat Shiva in my brother's house. And what people do is they bring food or they have food sent um, so that the family can grieve um, for seven days. And you know what? It's a really nice thing because people come in and they talk to you, and sometimes you see people that you really haven't seen in a long time, and, um, you know, the family doesn't have to think about food because there's tons and tons of food. Um, but it is, it is important, and I think it's a way for, for people to help other people in, in times of need. So I thought it was a good part of the story that she brought in. You know, Jill, I was thinking the same thing you were, that would be nice if there were a neighborhood like that for people that bring food to people who are ill. The funny or ironic or whatever you wish to call it about this is that after I finish reading this book and I'm thinking to myself about that, well, gee, I, I wonder if that really exists, I hear a cause, um, clean, basically um, are diagnosed with cancer or something like that, you can call this volunteer organization and they'll clean your house for you. I'm like, how oh, does exist? A lot of hospices also have adjunct volunteers that do meals and stuff too. And of course, a lot of churches do that too. If you're a member of a church, um, one thing that somebody mentioned earlier was uh, her breaking up with the coach. I think that was one sign of her growing. I mean, she had to become a lot more assertive than she had been in the past to actually get rid of that coach. And then one other thing I was thinking during the book is, and may, this is just me, but I would have liked to have seen 
um, Kimmy or Nora get their comeuppance at some point at the end of the book. I always find it a little more satisfying when the really ugly, nasty people get get some revenge or get some vent, get something, learn their lesson, so to speak. And I, I but you know, this book was nice that it, I suppose they didn't do that. But I would have liked to have seen Nora find out that Kimmy, in fact, was the one that instigated the, the bulimia to start with. This is Jenny um, about Nora. I, you know, she was kind of symbolic in the book, I guess, about um, playing the game by the rules, and she had become a social success, but I thought that she was, you know, pretty miserable. I mean, I think she said there was nobody she could really talk to. I think she was talking to Dana, and so, in a way, I thought, um, you know, some of her uh, nastiness or her, you know, her playing the game in a rather cruel way to be socially successful, you know, kind of came back on her. Yeah, I, I thought there were different kinds of friendships in this story, and I thought that was interesting. I mean, like I said earlier, I, I thought the best friendship really was between um, Alder and her friend Jet. They they seem like real friends to me. I, I thought their friendship actually was the most genuine. And with Polly and Dana... I think they were friends, but they seemed like different people, and I don't know if they didn't live next door to each other and walk together if they really would have been friends. And I think um, Nora, as Jenny was saying, I think she was, you know, she was, they weren't particularly well suited for each other. I don't think they were going to be great friends, but um, really the worst friendship, I think, was with Kimmy and Morgan, but I think it was realistic because I think, you know, often people have very intense relationships when they're younger, when they're teenagers or when they're in college, they're friends with somebody and they spend a lot, a lot of time together and then something happens and that's the end of the friendship. So they felt real to me, the the friendships in the story. They really did. And I thought the fact that, um, what's her name, Uh, Kimmy was blaming uh, Morgan for her eating disorder when really it was the other way around, when Kimmy was instigating everything. I mean, she was just a a troublemaker, but I think when you're a little kid, you're not going to really notice that. And she was a popular kid, and so she wanted to be friends with her. So um, the friendships, I thought, were, were kind of interesting in the story. And it just seemed like a nice book to me. I mean, I, I liked it more and more as it, as I went along. It started out a little slow. I had read it a long time ago, um, and I remember I liked it. Um, her first book, which is called Shelter Me, is a much darker story, um, and I thought this would be a better story because it was a little bit lighter. Um, the first one is is like a much, much kind of a darker story than this one. One other thing I liked was the fact that Tina, Kenneth's um, wife, by the end of the book, they didn't make her out to be a a real, you know, home-wrecking villain type person. She was trying to be nice to the kids and stuff like that. And that's, I think that's probably pretty realistic, too. Well, I think that we also saw that with Grady, you know, he really was missing his father a lot. And I think that was another issue that she was talking about in the story is that when... You know, people get divorced, and, and often the father is the person who leaves. It really does have a, a big effect on the children, and you saw how how he was really, really upset. And I and I liked 
the fact that Kenneth, I, I like the fact that Kenneth wasn't really a villain villain. I mean, he may not have been a great husband, but I think he was at least trying to be a good father. And you hoped that after he had his new child that he would continue to, you know, have a relationship with his, his children from his first marriage, that that would be the hope. Um, but you, you did see really the impact on, on Grady, who wasn't a really big character in the story, but you did see how upset he was really about his father. Well, and I also liked the way Alder kind of, if you will, was kind of the male influence for him. It was, it was things. She was the big sister, but yet she was the come on, come on. I can do it. You can do it. If you don't, I. I you know, I agree with you, Leela. I think Alder really was a very welcome addition to the family, um, and I really think that she really helped sort of stabilize the situation and. I guess she was running away from her mother. I mean, I think she was upset about what had happened to her, and she probably had a kind of a difficult relationship with her mother, so she wanted to have a change of scenery. But she was really basically a very nice girl and and a kind of a stable girl, and I thought she had a very stable, actually, influence on, on, uh, on the family. I think the mother was kind of an airhead. She was trying to get away in the first I was rereading the first couple of chapters, and she didn't like this uh, way out art, artsy school. She wanted the regular high school and things like that. So I, I think that she was very a stable person to have around. Well, Connie was the one who called the suburban mothers cupcakers, which, you know, if, if, if you're familiar with... Um, when the the kids have sporting events, they have these places that sell cupcakes, little, not full size, but little size cupcakes. And there's like 18 of them and they take them to the sporting events and each kid has a little cupcake. You know, if they allow cupcakes, sometimes they want healthier snacks than that one. So, you know, I think she was just somebody who didn't who looked at the suburban mothers and thought, yeah, I don't want to live that way, that's not for me. So she was different than, than Dana, who, you know, fit in a lot better with, with that way of life. Um, but she had a lot of, um, I, I thought they, had, they basically cared about each other, Dana and Connie, and they were trying to come together. And I think they had sort of a dramatic... Uh, you know, a, a sad family situation with what happened to their father. Um, and I was actually curious about that, and I had written to the author and asked her about the family situation because that was one part of the story that I wish that I understood a little bit better because it was sort of alluded to, um, and and I was I was curious actually about about their their growing up, how they actually grew up. Well, I didn't really like Connie as a character. I I would have found her very unpleasant to be around. But Alder was probably my favorite character. I really liked her, and I thought it was funny how Jed just or Jed just sort of helped the kids out without really trying, and and just seemed to really be fitting in with the family too. Those those were two really good characters, in my opinion. Oh, Jed, she was hilarious. She just take the cereal or take the milk or, um. You kind of got a sense of her family life when Dana tried to wake up the girls and she answered the way she did. And, um, yeah. Yeah, I liked her also, Jed. I mean, I, I think, you know, she, maybe she didn't have the best manners, 
but she really had a, a good heart. And I mean, I can remember with my brother's friends, they would come in to our kitchen and our house and just like start opening cabinets and, you know, pouring themselves uh, drinks and, and, and everything like that. So it's, it's, not, it's not an unusual way to be. Um, Donna, did you want to say something? I think I saw your microphone go. Did you want to try to talk? Um, no, I wasn't really planning to make a comment, but since you gave me, gave me the opportunity, this is not significant. But I did want to say that I thought that even though Grady was only seven years old, I thought, I thought she made him a little bit older than a, a seven-year-old would have been with the things that he thought and said. I have a grandnephew who's seven years old, and he's a very, um, uh, I know I'm not objective, but he is a very smart little boy, and, and Grady just struck me as being closer to ten or so. Um, and I, I also like the fact that the book had Christmas and Thanksgiving in it, because that's always a, a nice family touch, especially this time of year. Again, it's not something significant, but probably one of my favorite, most favorite characters was Tony. I really do think that he was, um, I, he struck me as a, a, a very mature, very sincere person, and I think that, um, um, gosh, right now, I, Dana, Dana, I forgot her name for a minute. I, I think she was very fortunate to become friends with him, and I, I think that had it been a true story, I think that would have been a relationship that would have lasted because of the fact that they were friends first. So they really grew into, into their love for one another. Uh, I read about the, the, the little boy, too. Uh, I, I thought he was more mature than any seven-year-olds that I had known. And I wondered if the author had the football um, if she was thinking about the fact that I know now, you know, there several parents that I've talked to are not encouraging their children to play football at all. And even though this was touch football, it did seem to be, you know, pretty rough. And you, you know how Dana got upset when they all piled on her son. Um, so I wondered if the author was trying to make a point about how dangerous it could be or what her, her thought was in having the sport be football. I hadn't thought of that, but she really could have gone down that path with football because you're right, that's really, you know, definitely a hot topic right now is the dangerousness, especially of kids. I, I thought that maybe, you know... I guess one of the more stereotypical characters in, in the book, I thought, was the coach. I mean, he just seems so unaware of, of anything. Like, he just, he met Dana, and right away he said, oh, you know, you like everything that I like. So, you know, it was hard to believe that he was, he was that dim, kind of. And so I, I thought that part of the story maybe wasn't the the best developed. And I think that you're right about the football. I think a lot of people would rather have their kids play Little League baseball or, or something like that. Although I can remember when I was younger, a lot of people playing hockey, and that's a pretty, that's a pretty rough sport also. So it sort of depends on, um, I, I think, on your background and where you know, what you do in your, in your community and everything. Um, some communities are, are really big on football. Um, when I grew up, 
there really wasn't a lot of football in my neighborhood. There was more uh, Little League baseball, um, which is not as, as much a contact sport, but it's possible she was trying to make a comment about football. I'm not really sure. I think that the, guy, the coach used that to look for dates. From the, but but maybe I'm wrong. I I think he was kind of trolling the thing, looking for lady friends there. But may, maybe I'm wrong. I think so. Um, I noticed that Ginny and Donna both had their hands raised. So if you wanted to say something, please please feel free. Yes, this is Ginny. Um, I guess differently from you, Michelle, I thought the coach rang pretty true. Um, and. You know, he had um, an idea of how Dana would fit into his life without really, you know, asking her, is this the role you want to play or, you know. And Dana, it was what was kind of eerie to me it was the way she kind of went along with it. Yes, this is my boyfriend. or, And she was new to uh, dating and everything. But I think when you think of someone like the coach, sometimes I think people who are really immersed in sports see, see things in black and white. I could be wrong on that. I, obviously, the that's a stereotype, but I think um, he was so obtuse. And finally, when Dana was able to um, shake free of accommodating his, you know, his wishes, it was a real uh, turning point for her. I just wanted to say that I think, Don, I think you're right, because one of the mothers in the very beginning of the book said something um, uh, to Dana about, oh, him, or, or watch out for him when they were at a game, and she was referring to the coach. And um, I also think that one of the reasons why Dana got involved in the coach, uh, with the coach, is because she was very lonely. So she was, she desperately wanted to, to be involved with someone again. She needed that to make her feel more self-confident, more loved. And so she was very vulnerable at the time, and the coach obviously picked up on that. Well, one of the questions that I that I asked the author when I wrote to her was, and one of the responses that she had to me was that she thought that Dana was picking men like Kenneth and like the coach who um, would be men that she could deal with if they left her because her father had left her. Her father had depression, and we assume that he committed suicide by going into the ocean and, and drowning. So that was her spin on it. She thought that, that she was, you know, sometimes women pick men that are not the best choice for them because they're trying to minimize themselves feeling hurt if the man leaves them. And you wouldn't think logically that this would be a great plan, but, you know, a lot of times we do things unconsciously and it takes us a while to realize that we're, we're really making bad choices. And I thought she was trying to show, you know, Dana growing in the story. And, and I like that because I certainly, myself, and I know plenty of other people that, you know, grew at different points in their lives. And I'm not somebody who thinks that you're fully formed when you're 18 years old. I think that people evolve and change throughout their whole lives. And I thought that, you know, because of circumstances, Dana really had to, to grow and change, and I think her relationships with men was one of the ways. I mean, I don't know that they were the same man, uh, Kenneth and the coach, but I'm sure there were certain similarities between them. One thing I thought was interesting near the beginning of the book where Tony first tells Dana that Morgan might be bulimic is that, you know, like Jill said earlier, she was a pretty over-involved parent, but when that came up, 
she was really clueless as to what to do and, and went into instant denial. And that was kind of interesting because that's probably pretty realistic. You know, I thought that was really very interesting that the dentist could pick up based on um, where the enamel was coming off. In her, in, and I'm sure that that's true, you know, that, that he could actually tell. And I thought that was really, it was an interesting fact, quite frankly, that, that I didn't actually know about. And I don't think it's so unusual for parents not to be aware of what's going on with their teenagers. I mean... I just don't. I think teenagers do a lot of things, and, and a lot of parents, you know, are, are not aware um, because either, you know, for, for a zillion different reasons. So um, it seems, I, I think that she, she quickly understood that this was a real problem, and particularly when she started seeing clues, you know, how, um, how I think she caught her throwing up, and she saw her putting all the cake into her mouth and everything like that. So, you know, I mean, she was a very young girl. She was only like 11 or 12, and it's hard to imagine at that age that, that the girl would be bulimic, but it, it certainly seemed possible to me. And I know that we're almost at, at 10 o'clock, so I'm just going to ask if anybody has any more comments, and then we're going to talk about what we have for January. Hi, this is Ginny. Um, I think one of the things that I found really comforting about the book and interesting was uh, the collaboration. Um, the people that came into Dana's life, you know, Tony, Alder, um, to be receptive to those influences, you know, with whatever your challenge is, being a parent or um, whatever it might be. It's just, you know, it's so important to have all these different influences and different perspectives. Yes, I think that was what was interesting. I think there were a lot of characters in the story, and I think that they all had a place in the story, and there were a lot of different relationships, which was one reason why I wanted to make a, a, a list of all the different characters, because there, there were a lot of characters in the story, and some of them, you know, turned out to be significant to Dana, and others, you know, had, had a certain role, and, and, and that's what it was in the story, but I, I, I guess I, I really liked the story. I liked, I liked seeing people grow and change, and I also liked seeing people grow and change at different points in their life. I, I find it interesting when somebody's in their 40s um, to have, you know, a lot of, of personal growth. I, I just do. I think it, it's realistic, and I think circumstances, I, I've met enough people that have had things happen to them, and, and they've grown and changed, you know, because of circumstances that have happened in their life. So I think that's that rang true to me. Okay, so it's it's almost 10 o'clock, and, and thank you everybody for, for coming today and, and talking about this book. Um, in uh, five weeks from, from today, actually, we're meeting on January 13th, and um, Sherry and I had invited an author to come and talk to us. Um, her name is Allison Richmond. And we're going to be discussing uh, two books. She's written, I think, five books. Um, and we're going to be talking with her about two books. Um, you're welcome to read either book. You're welcome to read both books if you want to. You're welcome to just come and, and listen to her if you want to. Um, and one book is available on Bard. And the other book is available on uh, Bookshare and Audible. Um, the book that is available on Bard is called The Mask Carver's Son. It's a historical fiction book. 
Um, it takes place mostly in Japan um, in the late 19th century. And it deals with um, three generations of, of an artistic family. And the youngest, uh, the grandson, actually ends up going to France. So you see sort of the conflict between the Western ways of doing things and the Eastern ways of doing things, and just a, like a generational story. Um, and the other book is called The Garden of Letters, which is um, her most recent book. And she's actually going around the country now talking about um, this book. Um, and it is... Um, the st it's, a, it's an interesting story. Um, it was a story I wasn't really familiar with. It is. Um, it takes place in World War II Italy, and it um, is uh, about a young woman and, and some of her friends who get involved in the resistance movement, and they transmit coded messages uh, via music. Um, the main character is, is Elodie, and she's a cello player. And it, and it actually starts out, um, she's, she's on her own, and she's pregnant. And I'm not going to explain how that is, because that will give away part of the story. But um, it's based on a, a, something that the author heard um, from someone else, where um, she comes off, I guess it was a train, and this Italian man calls out to her cousin, cousin, and it wasn't obviously her cousin, and he um, comes and gets her and helps her, you know, at this very difficult time. So um, what I liked about this book is I have a, a tremendously difficult time reading World War II stories. I just take them very personally. Um, and this book, although there's death in it, um, was a very, very hopeful, optimistic book filled with love. Um, it really was. I, I finished this book. I wasn't crying. I wasn't very upset. It's, it's a really nicely written story. And both of her books actually are very, very nicely written stories with good characters. And they, they transport you to those, that place and time. So um, that will be uh, January 13th. And I think Sherry put the information up in the chat window which you can get to by hitting F9. And also we're going to send out a newswire and put it on the DB review. Michelle, do you have a DB number for the Bard book? I do. It's 77613. And again, it's called The Mask Carver's Son, DB 77613. Well, um, thank you, everybody, again. And um, I hope everybody has a, a really wonderful uh, Christmas and New Year's, and um, I know many many of us are in the history group, so we'll be seeing each other right after the New Year, and, um, you know, just thank you, everybody, for, for reading the book and, and joining us tonight. What was the name of it? I want to read it. There's two books. Um, the one on board is called The Mask Carver's Son. It's DB77613. The author is Allison Richmond. Allison is A-L-Y-S-O-N. Richmond is R-I-C-H-M-A-N. That's on Bard, The Mass Carver's Son, 77613. And the book that's on Bookshare and Audible is called The Garden of Letters. Um, and The Mass Carver's Son also is available on Bookshare if, if you prefer to read the book on Bookshare as well. 
Mary Ellen, were you talking about the one that we just read? That was, um, um, oh my, oh, Deep Down True by Juliet Fay. Great book. You won't regret reading it. Thanks for both. I will. I'm, I'm taking a break, a little bit of a break from history and all the serious, so I'll get into this and join the history group back in February. So. Good night, everybody. Happy 